0: And we are checking back in once again for another episode of the 2BD podcast with your host, as always, 2BD. And once again, we have another special guest on the program, Mr. Brother Tommy Joshua. Thank you for being on the pod. Brother
1: 2, man. It's always good to be. Be, be in conversation with you, bro.
0: It's always a pleasure. You're, I appreciate you, you know, for showing up for the documentary and, you know, dropping the knowledge and gems of what's going on here at, in Peacetown, um, at the Peace Park, and all that. But it's good to finally have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Man. Um, so, to start off with, with every new guest that we have on the podcast, we ask two questions. Okay. The first question is always going to be What is it that you wanted to do when you were a kid?
1: When I was a kid, I wanted, to, I wanted to make the most awesome uh, video game consoles when I was a kid. I wanted to really make um, the most dynamite gaming systems, you know? I think I wanted to go beyond the arcade. I wanted to bring something really special to the, to the household. Um, I wanted to be involved with um, developing the hardware. Um, you know bits and graphics and microprocessors and sound cards like that's that's what I what I wanted to do because I was a little young video game champion I was a professional um, okay I played competitive video games back in the day
0: what kind of games
1: uh Sega Genesis Super Nintendo era okay uh, you know, I was really good at Sonic the Hedgehog. I was really good at Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World. I was back in that day, man. I, I used to win competitions and everything. For all the elders out there, for all the old mm-hmm. heads, y'all remember Game Pro Magazine, Electronic Monthly Magazine. I used to be like studying religiously um, these annual consumer electronic conventions, you know, mm-hmm. I've been reading about. All of the latest and greatest software and hardware, and I used to stay abreast of what was happening in Japan.
0: Okay, word. As a
1: teen, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I was was into, man.
0: A lot of that stuff, it feels like back then, gaming was more intense in the sense that, you know, you didn't have. The memory card saving levels, like you gotta stay alive and you didn't have the walkthrough, you couldn't go online and nah. be like, how do I get to the next one? It's like you gotta figure that out yourself. It was
1: serious, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody out there, see, this is how they can tell people age up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, <laughs> A, B, A, B, start. You know what I'm saying? So people know what that was. That right there was um, one of the famous codes that you would do for um, mm. certain video games. It was like a little Easter egg thing.
0: You still got that locked in it. memory. I still
1: got it, I still got it. I still I still whip out the games every once in a while just to make sure I'm still, hmm. you know what I'm saying, still competitive.
0: <laughs> what is it that as a kid made you wanna like get into the nitty gritty and like figure out how these things work and get into the all the bits and pieces of it instead oh, of just the game?
1: Man. Um, I think it was the elements that mm-hmm. gaming mm-hmm. brought together. I was really interested. Just like now, I'm interested in the integration of systems. So I was interested in art. So I was an artist. So I was interested in what I was seeing on the screen. Um, I was interested in play. Um, and I was interested in adventure. You know what I'm saying? So I was really heavily into you know characters and storylines and all that type of stuff so i think it was just how everything came together how all of these different elements came together to give you an experience you know i spent a lot of time in the arcades and i used to never want to go home from the arcades but Mm -hmm. i used to love being in the arcades the sounds the smells the people and um the integration of systems brought people together you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I dug that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It also was like a form of, a, of escape. It was some relief from everyday life of being in the hood, you know?
0: Got you. And then the second question for those of us, or for listeners who aren't famo- familiar with your work, brother, uh, is always, what is it that you do now?
1: Okay, well, what we do now is we, we try to treat people how they deserve to be treated. That's how I would say, man, like, at the end of the day, with with, with my work, um, it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. You know what I'm saying? It's not about how much food we're given out, it it's not about how much land we got, it's not about how many people we serve. It. It's more so about what's the experience that's being provided, so I hope that my work is about treating people, particularly African people, but really all people, treating them the way that they deserve to be treated. I'm trying to do that, and uh, me and my comrades are striving to do that. And in another way of pitting it, comrade, kind of we engaged in um, trying to make a revolution, trying to mm. see a revolution happen here in America
0: um now to to jump right into what we're here to talk about um a couple of months ago originally when we when we spoke on the documentary the the big next upcoming thing um at the peace park was the the sala peace pavilion yes sir um so it's it's been a little bit while um i know you guys originally had planned on opening sometime this fall um october november um that obviously isn't the case. Um, right. Could you give a little update on the peace pavilion and what you're trying to do with that
1: Yes Peace pavilion is I would say 65 to 75 percent complete right now. so you know maybe when we spoke, um, I think we may have had just some foundation stuff out there mm-hmm. but now we got to the lumber so we are getting into some carpentry work. the school is coming up. It's amazing to see it come to life. When I was walking here earlier this morning, man, somebody, it was a, two women was in the car. And it was like, "Brother Tommy," and I looked, and I recognized one of the lady faces. She said, "Brother Tommy, the school is coming coming up." She's like, "I almost brought tears to my eyes," and I said, "Yeah, it's been a long time, right?" Because you know, she's been part of like a lot of people in this neighborhood, been part of like the envisioning, the hoping, the praying. They're raising the money. They're going through the long process of zoning and design and all of that good stuff. So to see it rise up is a magical thing. And it's happening as we envision. You know what I'm saying? Again, the experience. The experience of these young brothers and sisters and these uh, black construction workers and contractors um, pulling together to actually build it out is a beautiful thing. We had some hiccups, you know what I'm saying? That's like part of a development project or development process, you know, been some zoning issues that held things up at one point. Um, Then it was some engineering issues, you know, some things that we drafted out didn't match up with some of the things that was on the ground. So we had to kind of go back and correct that and, you know, there's also been, like, uh, leakage, right? Uh, the movie Casino, they had a situation where somebody, you know, they were losing money or something, and somebody said, well, that's leakage. That comes with it. Um, we also had some, some leakage in a sense, you know, some vandalism and some death of materials. But all in all, uh, brother, 2 has been a very fulfilling process we're really proud you know what I'm saying we're really happy we really uh, appreciative that the schoolhouse the peace pavilion is coming into reality so you know parallel to the construction process um which involves um dozens of young builders who are learning firsthand um construction trades but more importantly learning their responsibility to be builders in our community and um, to be revolutionary builders, to be part of a revolution that's constructing as well as we deconstruct. Parallel to that is also the educators that are now coalescing and planning for curriculums, working with parents and working with students and getting prepared. And we are looking at a spring 2024 grand opening, you know what I'm saying? So I hope that, I know, Conrad, you will be there with us, man, and I hope that everyone that's listening would be with us on that day to come and share the joy of the achievement of constructing this community building intentionally um, to provide a genuine education for our our community.
0: Mm. Could you speak a little bit on like just the general difficulties of what you're undertaking and how um, how difficult it, it generally is to build an institution from scratch, from these plans that you have set up, build up something that can teach curriculum and education. I don't think like, you know, you wouldn't be the first obviously to, to try and do that for our people, black people in the States, um, but there's always this air of like negativity when it comes to building institutions. It's like, oh, it'll never be built. They're never gonna get that off the ground. But when we think about it, we have this longstanding system of education in this country right. that's not ours and that we have no um, input on. Could you? Could you...
1: Yeah, it, it, yo, it seemed like it took forever. <laughs> it do, God, right? It seemed like it took a long time, y'all and um you know at a certain point the t- for me it seemed like the time collapsed on itself like you know i don't know if it took 10 years or if it took 10 days it's really mm. weird um i recall you know countless meetings um of brainstorming the idea I recall in my mind and in, other, in my comrades' minds, like endless revision of ideas. I remember, like, countless starts and stops. <clears throat> and I do remember, as you mentioned, man, I heard it all. I heard it's not going to happen, it's never going to happen. Oh, that's a nice idea. Um, oh, that's cute. Oh, it's, you know, it's flat out. Never gonna be, um, but when it do come, you uh, is a weird calmness. Is a weird ordinariness about it, though. To be honest with you, um, I'm not saying it's anticlimactic. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but there's a stillness and a calmness and a stoicism that comes with achieving things. And I think it's important for revolutionaries that we claim no easy victories, right? And that is a quote from Alamir Kabar, the great liberator of, 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 of uh, Guinea-Bissau. He said, claim no easy victories, meaning that we are happy of what we achieved, but we know that we need to do more. But the process, uh, brother, two was a great process that educated dozens of people, and you know, in our context, it took place in as part of a revolutionary challenge to colonialism, to domestic U.S. colonialism, of seeking to counterstrike against gentrification, and seeking to figure out a way where we can develop people's power that's rooted in land. And the only way that can be done is to challenge property rights, to challenge the powers that be um, for revolutionary position, and revolutionary position mean that we have to build what we conceive as urban maroons. We have to take the legacy of our people of building in inhospitable conditions and developing a new society. At the same time that the old society is still existing, we have to carve out a space for ourselves. For us, that means reclaiming the vacant land, fighting a long political struggle to bring the land under the control of black people, and then further deepen that by challenging who has the right to build, because that was the next part. So it was about getting the land, but it also was about, okay, we're going to show you that not only do we have the land, but we're going to also fashion the land in a new way. Education has to be institutionalized because in the revolutionary movement, man, sometimes education is done in a have, has, hazard way. We leave education up to others, and we also do education on the fly. We never think about education as a systematic um, system, something that's methodological, something that's rooted structurally in everything that we do. So the idea of us building the school, it was a non-brainer in the sense of if we can develop urban farms, however small they may be, but the idea, the quality of it is that we must control our own food systems. We also got to construct schoolhouses so that we can also control our own educational system And the whole process is really a tremendous process of political education, but more so than that, is a process of spiritual regeneration. Because colonialism turns people into non-humans. A non-human, it turns you into what Elijah Muhammad, um, the leader of the Nation of Islam, would call the dead. And the dead for him didn't mean the folks that was inside the casket six feet underground. The dead was the walking, the living, the living dead. When you are stripped of your ability to provide for yourself, to act out your creativity, to actualize the vision that you have, you are essentially dead. The Palestinian people, our great brothers and sisters that are struggling today, they are fighting against a death system that wants them to remain dead. And what they are fighting for is to resurrect from a state of death which is the situation of the Zionist occupation, where you don't control your own air, you don't control your own food, you don't control where you can walk or where you can move. They won't even allow them to bring in concrete, so they got to bring it in underground. They got to find a way. They got to do their maroon thing, like we did in the dismal in the swamps. So to mobilizing African-American students to design the building, Mobilizing and connecting with professionals from the building trades to help us and advise us in the zoning process, engaging our community to raise the funds, appearing before the zoning boards, pouring over documents and engineering studies and engineering reports, learning how all of of that affects local development has been very valuable. And this valuable political education, this valuable spiritual regeneration for our community here in PeaceTown has been priceless, man. So, brother, uh, two, it's it's been a great and tremendous effort. Um, dozens of heroes have assisted the people to make this happen, and we hope that it is just the first of many uh, buildings because revolution is destruction and is construction. And there's, more, there's many more positions for you to be a revolutionary than holding a gun. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So our image as a revolutionary, sometimes it's just the person that's protesting or the person with the gun in their hand. But no, 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 it's the person with the drafting board, it's the person with the drafting pencil, it's the person with the shovel, it's the person with the herbs in their hand, it's the person that's taking care of the children, it's the person that's helping the elderly. Revolution is a total effort. It's a total movement. Everybody is involved with the revolution, and that's how we like to do it here in peacetime. I'm saying.
0: You do a disservice to the revolution if your only ideology of it is holding the gun and the protesting because right. there's so much that goes into building up even to get to that point or building up behind the scenes. It's, it's not always just take up arms, you got to build up institutions like you're, we do. you're working on.
1: We, we got to, because, you know, I was talking to a young comrade and I said, well, look have y'all considered seizing some land? And the young comrade was wise what they said. I I agree. And the comrade said, well, we don't know we want to do that because, you know, that's hard. And, and, you know, we we don't want to, like, bite off too much we can chew. And I can respect that. But to speak to your point, man, is that um, we have to go on the offensive at a certain point. So, you know what I'm saying? So not only do we need to settle the score as far as, you know, begin to like be more militant in our occupations and be more militant in our reclamations and take more risks and to cause more trouble and to create more problems for the rulers, we also want to have to beat them by being more creative, by being more daring, by being more brilliant by being more dynamic, and we can show that because our job is to to not only expose what people already know. People already know that this system is trash, so we come in to put the exclamation point and to increase their confidence in that conclusion, but we also got to also bring forward a better and new world, and that's what we seek to do in Peacetown, that's what we seek to do with this school. We always tell the young people, they say, well, what type of school? We say a fun school. A fun school is what we're gonna build. Hmm. They say a fun school, and they say, okay, we're gonna hold you to that, brother Tom. We're gonna hold y'all to hmm.
0: that. It's not normally fun in school when they think of it, so that's that gets their attention right there. Right. Um, what will this Peace Pavilion and the curriculum of it do specifically for this emerging Peacetown neighborhood?
1: Well, we hope that the next generation of Peace Park revolutionaries will be educated um, at, at our schools, in our school system. We hope that the next generation of land-based revolutionaries here in Philadelphia will be produced from these schools, right? You know, Peace Town is definitely Peace Town. Peace Town is the autonomous zones within the new African community here in Philadelphia. But Peacetown is a champion, Peacetown is a possession of all revolutionary people and all oppressed communities here in Philadelphia. And everything that the Peace Park do is certainly a Peace Park thing, but it's also a movement thing here in Philadelphia. And, I, and that's a point that I really wanna stress, man, that any, every victory of the Peace Park in our 10-year history. Every battle that we fought and that we won, every challenge that we faced and we overcame, every line in the sand that we have drawn over the course of our, of our struggle has been won for the whole entire movement. And the whole entire movement has also come along with the Peace Park. And every challenge and every setback and every defeat that the Peace Park has faced has likewise also been a defeat, a setback, a challenge for the whole entire movement. So what this school would do is again, institutionalizing, systematic, uh, placing education front and center, seeking to reproduce the revolutionary consciousness, seeking to have a center for research, uh, seeking to have a place to remove our children from the violence that is public schools. Because education is, that may be more detrimental to the people than the police can ever be. Education may be more detrimental to the people than food deserts can ever be. Because there's nothing that is more determinant to your life than your mind. And if your mind is being shaped, what do that mean that you are eating organic? If your mind is not being shaped right, what do that mean that you have housing? Ultimately, you know, the elders used to say, free your mind and your ass will follow. Hmm. So that's what we believe. So this school is going to be great, Comrade. We going to, you know, we still are exploring ideas about the, the organization of it. This is a conversation that's ongoing among the Peace Park educators. Um, but I think that the school, besides its practical impact, of providing a local educational alternative to the colonial schools I think the bigger impact is going to be in its inspiration of the communities to follow suit and to challenge the the colonial schools in a bigger way you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah
0: um now I have to ask just understanding the history of the peace park um and the sort of protracted battles that you guys have had, specifically with the city, with the housing authority, over time, um, in response to you know the burglary that that took place here, um, with the stolen materials from the park. Um, have you heard uh, anything positive from the city? Was the response? Um, positive, negative, what what have they sort of given you guys? This, the, the,
1: the authorities have been curiously silent. It's really odd that around the time, you know, it's interesting. So for the last few years, we have been in what we consider maybe a truce. You know, we've been in a truce period since maybe 2017. 2017 to now, even though it was a police raid uh, in 2020, I believe, and and that whole ordeal. But you know, that's fine, they didn't break the truce. Um, But the the truce between us and the Philadelphia Housing Authority, during this time, we have been relatively cordial. I was telling the comrade the other day, man, like, you know, we're not friends, with the state or with the authorities, we're not friends. And that's something that we can accept. Um, We can be cordial though, because we do business with each other. You know what I'm saying? We have to do business with each other because we are discussing terms and and conditions, right? Um, In the process of land being conveyed and also make sure that we don't step on each other's feet um, so that it won't be Um, conflict or open conflict like it was at different points, right? But one of the problems I think is that in the case of the peace park, usually um, when a revolutionary challenge arises to challenge the system, usually they are stomped out. You know, usually they are are destroyed. So we know here in Philly there's been a lot of different struggles that have come up like brilliant, important struggles and then sometimes, you know, they get stomped out. You know what I'm saying? Something happened where they're not, not around no more, you know what I'm saying? Another thing that happens too is that they co opt movements. And they co opt the movement by giving concessions and then the movements becomes friends. They become you know, they no longer antagonists to the to the system no more. In mm-hmm. fact they become part of the system, right? I think the problem with the Peace part, from the viewpoint of the ruling class is like, why are they not friends with us? You know what I'm saying? We, we, we tried to stomp them out and that didn't really work, but we did convey the land to them. You know what I'm saying? We did back up off them and let, and let them take over the houses and this and that, Like This, this is mm-hmm. their thinking, you know, but why are they not friends with us? Why are we not Joe Joe? Why are they still on some revolutionary stuff? Why are they still agitating for rebellion and why they still have the stance that they have? So that's the problem. So right now, comrade, we are in the era of showdown. The stance and the strategic viewpoint of the Peace Park is that this is the era of the showdown. And we feel that we have been placed in a position right now where we have to face a showdown with Philadelphia Housing Authority, with the city of Philadelphia, where whoever else will want to oppose what's taking place or would try to reverse the type of changes and the type of autonomy that have been achieved. Now, what is a showdown? A showdown is defined as a conflict that comes as the result of a long argument and is the type of conflict or the type of confrontation that is meant to settle that long argument, that long dispute. We've been in a long dispute with the system, with the white power structure here in the city of Philadelphia. And when I mean the system, I would have to include them all together because it's all one system. Philadelphia Housing Authority, city of Philadelphia, the nonprofit industrial complex, the police, the prisons, that's all one system. Different faces of the system, but yet it still is one colonial imperialist system that uses different faces. They all got the same end goal. The end goal is to continue to contain the black community in a system of permanent oppression, to keep the black community, here in Philadelphia, under permanent subjugation so that the wealth can be abstracted the genius the lifeblood the spirit from our community into the dominant community and that's just the way it has to be concessions can be given cosmetic changes can be made but the fundamental conditions of base degeneration of the people of humiliation of the people of oppression of the black people will remain so here we are now at the showdown we are at a point now where it's going to another conflagration here in Peacetown between the people of Peacetown on one hand and Philadelphia Housing Authority, the powers that be, the non-profit industrial complex, the prisons, the police on the other. And this conflagration right here is going to be unlike the ones in the past because this one right here is going to settle the issue. And the issue is... Can we have life? Can we come back from the dead or not? That's the only fundamental issue. And that's where we're going right now. But curiously, comrade, I heard from PHA one time, and I have it and I it was an email saying, Hey, peace, Tommy, man. I see that the pavilion is coming up. That's awesome. Um we want to talk to you soon, and we're going to get back to you. And this, that, this, that, because, you know, we have some things we want to talk about. Then, I received a document from the, my lawyer. You know, got some lawyers, and I received a document. And without going into too much detail, right, because right now I can't. You know, I don't want to put certain things out there. But let's just say that this document was a document of surrender. It was a document of regression. It was a document exposing the um, animosity, the hostility, the anger that Philadelphia Housing Authority has against the North Philly Peace Park and against our moves because it seems that they thought that the Pavilion Project, which they were to frustrate, but it still succeeded to get off the ground, it seemed like that is a big problem for them. So, I think that they feel like they are in a catch-22 of what can we do about this day going Peace Park? Mm. You know, we tried all type of things. They won't bow down. They won't shut down. They still are growing. They still are becoming strong. And we are in a pickle now. So... This is where we're at, comrade. We're at the era or the verge of a showdown to settle the issue once and for all. Nobody will be exempt. Everybody who care about environmental justice, land justice, food security, community gardens, nobody can be neutral in this coming showdown. Because again, when the Peace Park win, the movement win, but when the peace park lose, the movement
0: lose. Mm. It almost sounds as if they were, you know, banking on the perspective of, yeah, things will keep going at the peace park, but they're not gonna get to their goal. This isn't going to be something that is actualized, so we don't even have to worry. Um, right now, you guys are getting that much closer and that much closer to.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, of achieving our local goals. You know what I mean? Because, you know, the peace Park and this is like part of our criticisms of the urban farming movement here in Philadelphia. Um, reform has its place and reform should be respected, but it should be respected as reform. Reform should never parade itself as revolution. Um, And here in Philadelphia, it is a problem that some people see reform as an end in itself as opposed to reform as a means to revolution. So our goal ultimately is to contribute to a radical revolution that will bring genuine democracy to this land. That will bring genuine restoration of life and dignity. Um, the means though is the work that we're doing on a local level to build autonomous peace towns, for example. But also too, the peace park in its truce period. Um, PHA has expanded, PHA has you know, spread their wings, but so has the peace park. The Peace Park in this period has worked to deepen this relationship with the urban farming movement in this country. The Peace Park has worked to deepen its ties to the new African independence movement in the South. It has worked to deepen its ties to the revolutionary movement in the global South. So on four levels, Conrad, the Peace Park movement is moving on. We're moving on a local level which seeks to see the victory of a local democratic revolution bringing about autonomous neighborhoods where there's community control where there's movement towards food democracy and solidarity economies and collective self-defense that's one level second level is we want to contribute to the liberation of new africa we want to see a, a vibrant dynamic uh, African-American-led republic in the South. We want to see the breakup of the prison that is America keeping oppressed communities subjugated under colonialism, internal colonialism. That's the second level. The third level was that the Peace Park positioned itself as a pan-Africanist organization. We want to see the unification of African people all over the world that will come to fruition as a vibrant and dynamic and powerful and free African continent. And then finally, the fourth level, the Peace Park identifies itself as part of the world struggle of all peoples, of all oppressed people, of all working people to achieve a world without capitalism, a world without imperialism, and a world where peoples can enjoy a human system, a socialist system that's moving forward to a world of peace, a world where war and militarism and discrimination and chauvinism and hatred no longer exists. So ultimately, comrade, kind of like you know, when you mentioned the goals, the peace park, we are thankful to Almighty God that we are achieving our goals, and enemies is angry at that. But we are ready and we are willing to make whatever sacrifice it is, man, to see the victory of Peacetown. And the little struggles that's happening, the little battles and the coming battles that's happening with the peace park, are going to determine if that is going to be the case or not. Mm. You know what I'm saying?
0: Um, Taking, you know, taking those cues from the new African independence movement and, you know, turning this North Philadelphia historic Charleswood neighborhood into peacetown and and the expansion that you're looking to foster and inspire in other community gardens and across the city and across the country, across the world, um, everything that you are looking to do with the Peace Park, um, more than a decade ago when you guys first started, was, was that in the focus? Did you think you would get to this point?
1: We, um we show, we we hope so.
0: Hmm.
1: We hope so. It's uh, it reminds me of something. Remind Fred Hampton said. You know, he said something in a, a documentary. He was being interviewed. And he was saying something like, "Well, you can't say what Castro is going to be. Who knows? You know, like you know, meaning that like a revolutionary and a revolutionary project is a project that's in motion, is in development. It's like a question mark. You know." We certainly um, had, uh, Brother two um, aspirations to con- contribute, to do our part of contributing to the ongoing freedom struggle of black people and also the World Revolutionary Movement. You know what I'm saying? Because this is what we studied, this is um, who our elders were. Our elders were direct participants in these great struggles, the great... Struggles here in the United States that shut the foundation of U.S. imperialism. So we hoped and we still hope that we could somehow be part of that, that we could somehow contribute to that. And we grew a lot and we developed a lot. And, you know, struggle and study and our experience has deepened and clarified a lot of things for us, you know. But even with those big things that we want to achieve for the new African independence movement, the pan-African struggle and the world struggle is nothing and it's all loss and it all will come to nothing without that first thing that I mentioned, man, of treating people how they deserve to be treated. You know what I'm saying? saying? Mm -hmm. So without that, Without that, brother, without us achieving that, without us achieving, showing love, showing full attention, showing genuine concern, being a friend to the people when they in need, helping our people learning from our people, working with our people, suffering with our people, living and dying with our people, and having that love between us. Without that, everything is nothing. You know what I mean? So in in reality, the road that we are on was paved. It It was set. It was determined. It is determined simply by our love for black people. That's how we got to this place. And this is how we got to these political positions. Our politics comes from our care for each other. And as our care for each other that informs our dreams. You know what I'm saying? So only because of the care that we got for each other, only because of how we feel towards each other and what we want for each other and what we deserve only then do we say, well, we want to contribute to the new African independence movement, or we want to see a liberated Africa, or we want to see a world without oppression. But it always is going to be rooted on what's happening on the local level. and It is always going to be rooted on treating our people in a certain way and loving them in a certain way, man. Because that's the only thing, that's the thing that's special about the Peace Park, maybe. We're not the biggest firm. We don't give out the most food because, you know, that somebody else does that now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We don't have the most land. We don't have the neatest this. We don't have the biggest budget. We don't have this or that. That's not what we are in it for. You know what I'm saying? But we do love our people, y'all. And we do... And our people do love us. And we are touching some lives, man. And and, and then our lives is being touched. You know what I'm saying? and 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 the folks who are here at the park and here in Peacetown that's working, they sure do put their all into making sure that they give their all and serving the people. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, you know, brother, like, um, it's funny, man, how the revolution, it, 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 you don't make the revolution, the revolution makes you. You know what I'm saying? And that's how the Peace Park feel. We've been, we've, we've been made from the circumstances and the situation that we face.
0: Don't fall for the, the misdirection. It's all about loving right. your people.
1: Absolutely, man. That's what it's all about.
0: Um, I want to thank you again for, for being on the podcast with us. Uh, did you want to throw out any dates out there, upcoming dates, or ways people, listeners can support? So check it out. support
1: Brothers and sisters, man, um, we want you to know from the Peace Park that um, we want to, you all to know. And take it from me, I'm speaking on behalf of the comrades in Peacetown. We want you to know, man, that we love you. We are with you. We always are with you. There's never no time that we're not with you. There's never no time that we're not rooting for you. Um, we want to see your victory to the fellow community gardens and the fellow land warriors. I want you to know that you have a staunch brother and a staunch sister here at the Peace Park. We look upon you with admiration, with pride, and with respect. And I want to reemphasize that every step forward that we made was a step forward with all of us in mind. So this coming April, I want you to pay real close attention to what's happening in Peacetown. Pay real close attention to the battle that's about to unfold once again over the fate of the North Philly Peace Park. And I want you to understand that this battle that's coming up, the quality of this battle was a showdown. And there's a showdown on one hand between the people and the system. And what we want to achieve from this battle, if we can win from this battle, not only will we have revolutionized and smashed the limits in the glass ceiling that had been placed upon community gardens because it seemed like things is at a standstill. And when you really think about it, it's not just the Peace Park that's in a, a showdown. We need a showdown with the system. We need to settle this argument over, can we be on the land and can we bring life? It need to be settled so then we can get on to a new thing. right? But pay close attention, because what we want to do is we want to clear the way for genuine, unrestricted ownership of the land that we occupy. We want to bring an end to the Hunger Games that the nonprofit industrial complex have created, having all the different groups competing against each other for crumbs, making people crawl through hoops to get needed, necessary resources. Being complicit with the colonialists by starving neighborhoods from needed resources. We want to smash that. And we also want to make sure now that there's no more cosmetic changes. You can't create no new city positions and think that we are satisfied because you gave, you know, you created new positions and you're saying that you're going to do this or do that. No, we want genuine ownership We want genuine resources and we want a genuine commitment to get behind us as we seek to transform the face of the city. So brothers and sisters, I want to invite you all to join us on May 1st, May Day, right here in Peacetown, May 1st, 2024. Be on the lookout for it. Please, if you care about these things, join us for a revolutionary May Day under the banner of freedom land here in peacetown 2024 be here be with us love y'all man freedom land
0: that's what's up i couldn't put it any better than that keep your eyes on the peace park keep your eyes on peacetown may 1st coming up and you know the rest is To be determined.
1: And I love you, too, brother. To be determined, man. Brother, too. This is the truth, man. I love this platform. I love what he's doing, man. I thank you, brother, for always giving us opportunity to speak.
0: Appreciate you. And as always, you know, what comes next is to be determined. Peace. Peace.